everybody. Welcome to Improv FAQ at Length. This is a show where we have longer conversations about improv topics that have lots of questions surrounding them. And we're joined by Matt Nas. Hey, everybody. Yay! Yay! Matt, thank you for uh, taking time to talk with us. I'm very excited to uh, pick your brain about the topic, which is going to be about... Um, pioneering or moving into uncharted territory. I'm not exactly the best, uh, uh, sure of the best way to kind of uh, boil that down to a, a word or two. But basically, um, since I've known you, you have been at the helm of a lot of projects uh, for yourself or for the improv community of Metro Detroit that um, uh, are new uh, styles of improv or projects to get people involved. Um, yep. And so... Uh, although we've talked about a lot of them here and there, I just am very curious to get a um, your uh, like your kind of uh, memory of of what you had in mind with each project and yeah. uh, moving into each new territory. And just Absolutely. overall philosophy too. I'm sorry. Uh, let's get into it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we can absolutely get into it. I mean, I think I think the whole thing is going to be a conversation about kind of show creation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, I think that would be. I always try to think of who's listening to this and why they would listen to it. And if you're sitting out there just being like, uh, "How do I get something going?" Maybe we can help you in this conversation about like things that I've done uh, in order to get things going for myself, because as we'll go into it, I don't know how much of my history you want, but like I was never uh, part of a house team until much later in my improv career. So it's kind of independent. And I think that really puts a fire under you to do something. So we can talk about that. I'd love to. I totally. love this stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. So, and and that's that's a great point because I, th I think the framing of it is, w w the thing that I'm most excited to talk about, honestly, is just trying to uh, get a gauge for like how you think about your next project because to me it seems like uh, there's a consistent appeal to you of um, doing something different and new and innovative um, and uh, but, but the consistent part of uh, across all of those new projects uh, you're right is, is about getting things off the ground in a way that that makes them successful and uh, pulls a lot of moving parts together um, and that uh, the, the means of doing that doesn't change, but like the, the mindset, um, is helpful across, like no matter what show you want to do, whether it's like the most innovative, uh, crazy new thing, or if it's just your own version of, uh, stuff that exists, like, uh, those tools are definitely helpful for, uh, for anyone that's looking to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have one that you want to start with? Yeah. So if I could, I'm just going to give a quick, uh, kind of, uh, uh, overture of, <laughs> <laughs> the things that I want to talk about. And it's going to be uh, the first thing that you did uh, shortly after I met you, which is the gauntlet, which was Go Comedy's head-to-head -head tournament, the King of the Hill style knockout yep. tournament where the winner moved on to the next week. Um, yep. Rock-O-Matic, which I think had been uh, existing for at least a little while before you took the reins on it, but uh, you were keeping it alive uh, in the Go community for uh, a little while while I, 
um, while yep. I was getting started with improv. Matt Nas and the Sing Along Singers, which is your solo um, musical show where you have a, a mixing and pedal board or effects board uh, and yep. you improvise Loop songs. Pedals, yeah. And also, uh, do you have uh, written songs that you play in your show? InstaFlick, which is uh, an improvised movie that's uh, you take a suggestion and uh, the players run off and start filming it, and while it's and then you send video right back to the audience, <laughs> and while yeah. they're starting to watch the beginning of the movie, the ending is still being filmed, um, which is, is an evolution or, or uh, your take on the uh, neutrino project which we can talk about too yep there's matt nas variety show um <laughs> i always have to put my name in things that's <laughs> that's my achilles heel it's just oh, you work so hard so far like no matter yeah. what your form is make sure you call it yourself <laughs> um, but i mean that, well and you that's branded great. yourself as a showman like that's great you know like <laughs> You could go to the circus or you can go to Barton Bailey. I'm going a to Barton Bailey, B baby. B always be branding your yes. own shows. Yes. Call but them your name. Matt Noss presents Gabber Media. I've, I've subscribed. <laughs> uh, but but the, the variety show was something that was uh, um, maybe not maybe not the first of its kind. Strictly Absolutely speaking, not, at, no. at, at, not not at go, but it was, it was uh, uh, I think the most um, successful and inclusive, inclusively successful at, at go, um, as far as I remember, uh, and it was, it was very successful. Yeah, and then Gabber Media, which is your podcast podcast network, which uh, Bob and I both have podcasts that belong to. You have a couple of your own podcasts on there. And uh, Improv FAQ, which at the time of this recording um, is just getting started in uh, launching as a podcast from YouTube, uh, will eventually be a, a, a Gabber Media podcast. So yes. um, those are the the list of very cool projects that you've um been at the helm of that i want to talk about it, it f makes me feel like i've done a lot more than i feel like i've done because i don't think about those things i well, don't know i'm I, I think it's hard it's hard for anybody to kind of recognize the body of work that they do uh yeah. so thank you for uh number one making <laughs> me feel like a rock star um so i'll start with I will literally start with your fourth or fifth thing, which is InstaFlick, because that is the oldest of all of those. Cool. Um, okay. And kind of, and it kind of provides an overarching theme uh, that will keep coming again and again, which is steel, steel, <laughs> steel, steel, and and. What I mean by that is like the Detroit Neutrino project, InstaFlick, which was uh, based on Neutrino out of New York, was called the Detroit Neutrino project. And then when PJ named it InstaFlick in order to uh, put it up at Go. But it was all based off of a New York team called Neutrino that had won uh, the cage match at um, UCB like some crazy number of times and they created this form called neutrino where they would run mini cassettes like when your camcorder used to have those mini yeah were they dv i forget what yeah, it was mini called. dv yes mini, mini DV, dv cassettes yeah. and we saw the ship so okay you're like how do i know what to steal <laughs> 
let's start there. C shows. Okay, goes. It's you know we talk about taste not enough. Uh, when we're in classes because we're trying to learn how to improvise. And when you're learning how to improvise, you know, like there's a trillion things happening. You're trying to either follow rules or not follow rules or, you know, trying to yes and, or I'm just trying not to blank out when I'm on the stage. There's so much going on. But I think the overarching thing is see shows so you can develop taste, your taste, kind of know what you like. Because there are shows that some people love that don't do anything for me, but there are shows that I love that won't do anything for anybody else. And that's good. You need to have what your taste is. So when I was in Second City Training Center in after it moved out of Detroit, so I started in Detroit in like 2003 and then it moved to novi and we went to the chicago improv festival Uh, my uh my best friend bob marquis and i we went out there and we saw neutrino who came in from new york and did it and we were sitting there we were done i mean like our jaws were on the floor and we're like how did they do that how did we have to figure that out so Bob had a trip to New York, and um, uh, he went to the pit and told me Slocum was there, and like all of the guys from Neutrino, they were still doing it there. So he saw, saw them again there, and he went to talk to them, and he was like, can we do this show? And it just so happened that they'd actually kind of licensed the show idea in Chicago, uh, I think Fuzzy was his name. I don't remember. So there's another dude that did that. But basically, we built, we got kind of their roadmap of how they did it. But then it was like, but the tech's all you boys, figure it out. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but it was, but it kind of came from that idea of we saw something and we were like, we've got to try to do that. But we can't do what they do. We have to do it our way. And if we don't do it our way, then it's not going to be good. So, like, we needed, because instead of it, we don't have a big appetite for experimental theater in the Detroit metropolitan area, which is kind of the opposite when you're in New York fringe. They're kind of like, hey, if. We'll sit there, you know, to get an audience for it, although still difficult, not there's a market for it. Whereas like in in the Detroit area, if you're like, hey, want to see this weird thing? It's like, oh, cool. Three people. Yeah. <laughs> nice to see. So you well, do a, have to. That's pretty f- good, though, for us. <laughs> three. I mean, three people seeing, you know, some of the batshit shit that I've done. Yeah. it's. <laughs> but like we knew that it needed to be a little bit more broad. And in order for it to be more broad, we needed it to be reined in a little bit. We needed to make sure that although there was people on the street filming and that we were filming the end before the beginning was being shown or while the the movie was being shown, Mm -hmm. we built in a lot more to make sure that under 
even if catastrophe happened, we would have tape. So we filmed an intro that was a little bit longer to cover us, you know, so that's yeah. simple stuff like that. Yeah. But then it was just, and we rehearsed. Oh, here's the other thing. So you want to do something. You've decided an idea that you want to steal and make your own. <laughs> now you need to rehearse. Yeah. Now you need to make sure that this thing that you want to do actually works because <laughs> Sometimes there's just things that are good because those are the people who are doing it. And honestly, it's not good for anybody else other than the people who are doing it right there. The yeah. shoes don't fit. This, because it was structure and form, it was like, no, we're the players who get to play in this form. It would be like we're playing location or playing that. We just have a gimmick, a hook, something that makes it a lot more interesting. So we stole the hook. And I remember the first time we did it, it was at the Planet Ant. We sold out the ant. It was a big deal because it's – once you kind of understand what it takes to do, you're like, it's crazy. Then when it got – so we did it at the ant. Then we had a run at the Improv Inferno in mm -hmm. Ann Arbor, and we did it there for about three months from like July – to the end of August, maybe even longer. I mean, it felt like forever. And then it came back at Go Comedy. But when it came back at Go Comedy, Bob had left. Everybody who had done it before had left. So then it was like, hey, Matt, relaunch this. And I was like, okay, all of our cameras are broken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I remember, because that was like, it was almost the transition from like uh, your handheld cameras going from those mini DVs to... Uh, iPhones. Uh, yeah, yeah, iPhones. I figured out cards. how to, I figured out how to do it on iPhone. That's Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. And it worked. I mean, I I got yeah. software in the booth. I learned how to rip the files faster. I learned how to use um VLC player to stack everything. It was like, I don't know. That's the other thing. If you decide that you're going to do it, don't let technical limitations be there. Either A Find somebody who's good with technical shit. I happen to like technical stuff. So I, I can, I can, I always go in with, I can figure it out. There's real technical people who would look at some of the solutions that I came up with and be like, why on earth would you do it that way? Yeah. And I'm like, because it worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing I have ever cared about with technical stuff. It's like, yeah. you know, you could just do this and it would be fine i'd be like great i'll do that now i had no idea and now with youtube it makes it so much easier to pretty much find out everything but when we started that show in 06 uh it didn't quite work that way so we had to figure a lot more out but i think that tenant of you're gonna steal you're gonna take an idea but everybody's taking an idea like you're going to make it your own. Um, I always watch Apple documentaries because they come on like constantly on MSNBC. And there's got this guy, his name is truly Guy Kawasaki, and he worked for Apple. And he always goes, people always steal the wrong shit from Apple. It's like, ah, you have to know what to steal. And format is worth stealing. 100% the show, that's, that's not worth stealing. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So, so uh, quick question on, you know, your, your comment about pulling in, 
you know, don't let technical limitations be limitations and find people who can either help you or learn to do it yourself. How, how have you found it generally easy when you have a project that you're building to pull people into it? Or do you have to put a lot of thought into like finding the right people or like persuading people or like sharing the vision with them? Or is it, or, or, you know, does it, does it tend to work to your advantage that the projects you're working on are new and cool theft (laughs) Um, that people want to work on? So there's, there's a couple things when you're a student, I think it's a lot easier. So when we started, it was a lot easier because we were students. We were much more connected. I was much more connected with people who were hungry to do something. You know, you want people around you who want to do the work. You don't get far with people who are like, you know, you got to help the little red hen cook. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we were we were lucky when we launched that show to be in a place where it was like it was so new. We were so new, but we were doing it and we weren't afraid. I mean, Bob was much better at the schmoozing aspect of it. He wasn't afraid to talk to anybody. So, like, I might not have been at the face of that project at first, but like we got the confidence to do it. And once you do it and people see it, then it's like, Whoa, how can I help you eat the bread? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, well, are these you all know, free to be you and me <laughs> references? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know, man. They're all the little red head, right? The little yeah, red head. From, yeah. From, yeah. Free to be you and me. Okay. Anyways. Yeah, well, sorry, it's, yeah, we're talking about the same thing then. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool. So, yeah, I mean, like, but I mean, it's it's funny how much stuff it comes back down to childhood things. It's like, yeah, you know, you you have to when you own a project, you have to understand that you care about it more than anybody else yeah. does, and because of that, you can't expect anybody to be working harder than you, and if they are then you have to take a look at yourself and be like, well, that's probably the person who should be in charge. Then, right. you know, like it's yours. So the hard part about that is making sure that everybody knows what you're trying to get at, what they should be doing, how they should be doing it and why they are doing it. But like, it will amaze you how quickly things come together if you have a plan. If you say, you know, like uh, with with that show, with uh, InstaFlick, with Neutrino, it was like if we had jobs for – we had runners, right? So the runner's responsibility was to get their team together. You know, so it was like, here's your clock, here's your slips, here's your stopwatch, get your cameraman is this person, your cast is this person, get them all together. You know, and then it's like, okay, so now I have three points of people who are getting here. Then you're my tech guy, so I'm going to get you over here. You're my sound guy, I'm going to get you over here. You know what you need to do, you know what you need to do clear directions you talk to your camera people you say like hey you know make sure 
you do this, you do this. You know, when you end a scene, don't just turn the camera off, let the camera pan out. And sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. Then you have to re-communicate with people. But like, if, if you want to run the show, then you need to run the show. And if you're running the show, then you need to be prepared. Don't show up to something and waste people's time. And if people see that you're no bullshit and you run the show, I mean, it's it's a comedy show that we're running. So there's going to be tons and tons and tons of, hey, everybody, let's come back. Let's get, all right, that's yeah, good yeah. time. You know, good energy. Love this energy. All right, need to, you know, can you do me a, can you well, do me a, a yeah, kindness? yeah. Can you do me a kindness? Let's get back into it. Let's do it. You know, instead of being like, hey, James, shut up. You know, it's more <laughs> yeah. like, do me. Crack all right, everybody, let's, let's yeah. get back in here. No, and that's what I always liked about having you as a producer or director. Like, you always had a, a plan. And you were always open to feedback or questions and everything like that. And you always had an answer or would consider what was being brought up or any concerns or anything. Uh, I guess my next question was, do you have any techniques? Because, you know, getting people to come to and, and, and participate in the project the first couple of weeks is always fun. And, you know, and if, if there's enough excitement about the project, pretty easy. But let's talk about month four or, you know, towards mm-hmm. the end. Like, how do we keep yeah. this energy up? Like, there's any any like uh, things you learned along the way that that's been helpful? Yeah. Um, shorten your runway is is the first thing so when you before you do your first show you're probably going to have months before the show is up or weeks or you know seven days or whatever but like you're gonna have more (laughs) ideally it would go something like i have the idea for the show i'm either going to pitch it to the theater and if the theater likes it then we're going to figure out a time that we can do the show. Okay. Yep. I love this idea. We're going to run with it. We're going to put it up May 15th. So now I have like, that was me burping for the kids. Um, (laughs) Okay. So now, now we have a date when the show is. So hopefully you've already kind of figured out the logistics, but if you haven't now, all of a sudden we need to figure out who's going to be in the show. And where to go. I mean, 18 days is not the best for a actual theatrical production, but for an improv show, that's actually a healthy amount of time. Um, with a show like Neutrino, which has a lot of working parts, you're probably going to ask a ton of people, and a lot of them are going to say, I can't right now, but down the road, if you need me, that would be great. So you're going to do your first show and people are going to be stoked. And if a lot of people come to see your first show, then you're going to have a lot more people being like, how do I do this? How do I get in there? Cause you're going to be talking at the bar with people about the show and they're going to be like, that was awesome. How do I, how do I get in on that? And then basically as some people are like, I can't do it anymore. You bring in new people who want to do it. Also make sure that your run isn't incredibly long. The longer yeah. your run is, the more you're going to, unless the show is just a house on fire and everybody loves doing it forever, you know, two month run is plenty. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, un- unless, you know, and we're talking about an idealistic show, not me and my team playing yeah. once a month and I will play with these guys until the the world ends because I love playing with them. Like that's a, yeah. that's a different conversation. This is, I've come up with an idea for a show. Yeah. Don't, don't sign up for three to six months. My sweet Lord. Now, <laughs> Once you once you do it, especially if it can have rotating people in it, then the excitement kind of builds and keeps going because the people who are like, that was fun, but I don't want to do that anymore. That's a lot of work. They go away. And the people who are like, I don't care what I have to do. I want to be part of it. They come in and swap out. And you as the person who's at the helm cannot have hard feelings about any of that. You know, because that's just the nature of the beast. That's just the way that it goes. So the way that you keep it fun and relaxed and fresh is, you know, get a bench (laughs) of people who still want to do it, have your cheerleaders. But also, I mean, in some of it's just your, your standard old check in with people. How are you doing? Still liking this? Is this a good time for you? Do you need a week off? Do you need this? Like, you know. I don't do that often because often the run of the show is four weeks and then I, you know, you're so busy plugging holes when you're in charge, trying to make sure that you have a show next week that you're like, "Eh, well, uh, I'm making calls uh, on the day of the show to make sure I have actors. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But like that, that keeps it fresh anyway, because once people know what to do, and the excitement wanes, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult. So for them to be able to tap out and get somebody new in, like it's a cycle. It just uh, runs through. And then there's people who are like, I will never leave. I will never want to do anything else. I love doing this. And please let me continue to do this. And you're like, awesome. We'll come back to you in a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I would imagine there's a pretty strong correlation between the more uh, the, the 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 more difficult it is to produce and execute a show the um less frequently you can do it i and that uh the more that you should build plan on building your way up to a run even if it is something that can be sustainable or a permanent production um you you have to kind of be like uh maybe maybe a, a short run of shows like a month um or six or eight weeks would be like the longer run of like a sketch show that gets put up. But if you wanted to do something ongoing, you kind of, you do that initial and then uh, you kind of do monthly and build your way back up to, to something. If that's your goal is to be like, I'll do this for as long as we can. And if we can make it a permanent fixture, awesome. You really have to set the expectation to build an audience and, um, build in an, an, an endurance or a stamina for it in your in your production team yeah you basically have to build an ensemble and then you have to build a tech crew for a show like that yeah i mean if if we were to jump to the variety show i mean i know that i'm totally throwing your notes out of order here but like with the variety <laughs> show you know you're stealing the idea of a variety show so i think a million people have seen it but then like your hooks are so what are the hooks because we're we're trying to figure out how we can put hooks in our show. And I stole that, by the way, from Matt Besser. So it's not like I'm some genius over here being like, you get the idea hooks. of hooks? 
Yeah. Like he, I listened to him on some podcast and he basically was just like those original UCB days, like in New York, they were like trying to figure out what made people come to this show. Like we get stuck in the Midwest with a lot of like, we have three teams and every team's doing a montage. And if you, if you love montage, then that's your thing. And it's like, okay, but what's the hook? You know, sometimes, sometimes, honestly, that's enough that it's three different teams because all these teams are new and they have all their friends still who haven't seen them. Or when, or when you're, uh, or if improv is the hook, because, um, Mm -hmm. if you're in a smaller market or in a, in a community that's just building itself, uh, Sometimes improv exactly. can be the thing, but but once yeah. once like Metro Detroit it, at this point has like a really strong thriving um, uh, improv scene, so it's like you can't rely on that hook of like it's improv. Um, you really right. have to like, give a little extra spice. And and that's the other thing because then you know it's improv could be I saw the Damnation game. Or I saw the Go Comedy All-Star Showdown. Or I saw TJ and Dave when they were in town uh, for, you know what I mean? Like, I've seen improv could mean a thousand different things now Uh, to an an audience member. And it's like, depending on the experience that they had, they might come to your show and see you do improv thinking that it's whose line. And they're like, huh, what is this? Yeah, This is not what I want. And that's that's kind of the other thing about thinking about show and thinking about the whole thing is like you want to be able to pitch it in a way that kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. What is Neutrino? We're filming a movie while you're watching it. Oh, okay. That's crazy. How do you do that? Well, come to the show and we'll show you what that's about. I don't like, oh, the um, Matt Noss Variety Show is a variety show in our theater with a live band. Oh, that's, you know what I mean? Like when it, when it's like, you have to explain it in multiple sentences. I use my brother all the time because my brother is like, (laughs) you can just get, you know, like you give him too much. He's like, I am, I love you, Maddie. Well, he gave me so much static about the variety show. He's like, who's it for? And I'm like, <laughs> <"She's> so <laughs> mad. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, is it for you? Or is it for them? And I'm Both. like, Oh, okay. Now I understand. Well, like it took me like three months to kind of understand what it was about. Um, because I did name it the Matt Noss variety show, but that show isn't about me. You know, it was more about the acts. Yeah. I put my name on it because I thought that's what you did in showbiz. No, that's a throwback. That's how they did, like, Crest Presents, like, uh, right. the Dean Martin Variety Show. Like, that. that's old school. That's Yeah. I thought, but, it, yeah. but again, with, with that idea of, like, your show should serve the audience and it should serve the people who are doing the work inside of your show right yeah with with the variety show i was very much i love bits i love i love i love green room bullshit i like people who talk and they figure out you know like i've been around joe hingleberg and 
um, <laughs> Travis Pelto enough and those guys get going and it's like another language is coming out because they just yeah. have bits and it's just like one, two, three. And when I, when you get a good one, it's like, Oh, I love this. And when you see something, then it's just like this much of an idea. But if it's like, if it was given a shot in front of an audience, it might be something and and that was the whole that was why i wanted to do that show that was what was exciting for me in it because i was like there is so much comedy that i see every day in this space but there's not a ton of places like i i know me i'm lazy right if i come up with a good idea I might be like, but I'm not going to write a 35 minute sketch show about that idea. I don't, I fall in love with my ideas, but not that hard, you know, but I might be able to write a three to five minute character piece for that. Or I might be able to come up with something for that guy to do. Yeah. And that was the whole thinking for it. So it was like, I'm stealing this framework of a variety show to serve two purposes. Number one, I wanted to sing in front of an audience. And then number two, I wanted to give a place for bits to live in a three to five minute space in front of an audience. Who's understanding that if this sucks, it's going to be over soon because that's the, that's the thing, you know, it's like the gong yeah. show, right? You know, you're going to be cycling through. So if this isn't your bag, wait. So that's why there was a ton of structure to it. It was like, again, coming in, like right at the top, we had a band number. So Bree would sing a song. The audience is like, okay, it's a band. They sing a song I like. No problem. Two, you hear the theme song, which we stole from LCD Sound System. Number three, I come out, I do a monologue. After that, which is like the most sane, easy to understand, digest, Hollywood show business thing in the world, I give them the fourth thing, which is the weirdest act of the night. Yeah. You know, the one, but also with people who I trust the most. So it would be like, at first it was Chris Moody doing something and then it moved over and it was Mitch and Matt doing something. And it was like, it's going to be weird. It's going to be different, but because they're doing, because it's them, I'm not worried about it. And you've already earned the audience. You know, you've earned the right to Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've we've already you a little bit for us. Yeah. And then it would be like, then it was just like, and then the format of the show as time went by figured itself out. So when we did that first show, that band, and we rehearsed for like three, four weeks, every weekend getting together to do that show. Just the band. The day of the show, I'm so much, I'm drinking seltzer water, guys. This is burping up a storm over here. The, the, the first time we did it, everybody was coming at five for an eight o'clock show. We ran the tech tops and bottoms, made sure everything was right. Got everything set up. The next time we did the same ish thing. Then we did it. Then it's month six. So now the band's getting together the Tuesday before the show. And and we're running it and we're running it. And then we're showing up early on that Friday for the show. And then it's, well, I can't make it, but I'll be good. 
and it kind of just the runway just got shorter and shorter but it kept an energy to the show where it was like i do trust you guys to be able to do this and even if it's i have some of the you know i have jerry may saint martin or i have joel at the keyboards like we'll get through it like we're going to be fine like you know uh yeah, we had Scott on guitar, and then we had Peterson on bass. I was like, I didn't have bits, I didn't have you know things to do, and we would just be back. I never wrote a monologue. We wrote all the monologues right before the show because wow. it was just it was that. just fun to do. It was just like we just imposed challenges. So I don't know. I'm saying a lot, but I guess what I'm trying to say is, you nobody has it figured out. <laughs> Yeah, we were figuring out that show while it was up. If something was short, we figured out how to add something else to the show so it would end on time. If we were running long, we'd figure where to cut. Like nobody knows, and as long as you don't let the audience know that you don't know, <laughs> you'll be fine. <laughs> That's something we should teach people, though. I think I think people get wrapped up. I think the the I know this. I'm not the first person to say it, but I think the the, the worst thing that can ever ever happen to artists is fear, you know, or having fear, because that's what stops you. It, and it takes a whole bunch of different forms. Oh, I don't know how to do tech. Well, what's stopping you? Fear. Uh, what if no one likes this? That's another fear. You know, you got to mm-hmm. get out there, like you said, get out there and just do the thing. Especially if a theater is willing to let you put it up. <laughs> You know, yeah, there's got I mean, to be I've something been, to I've been it. Very, I mean, I have, I, I do have to say that I've been very fortunate to do all the shows that I've done. I think at the beginning, it was a lot harder to get shows up. Like when you have success with something, when something works, even if it doesn't, if it's not a knock out of the park, especially if you're in a smaller market in the Midwest, you know, like if you, you know, we're we're lucky, you know, I'm, I was lucky to be in this area to be able to get that, that many shows up. And I think the quality of them, especially the variety shows, probably a very nice feather in my cap because we did it for two years and all but two shows sold out, you know, and each one of those was at over 90% capacity. So we, we did really well. And the, and then that show sold really well. Other shows, not so much, but that's okay. <laughs> well, so I, I, I'm curious, you got a lot of moving parts, um, in a lot of these shows mm-hmm. and I, I'm, I'm curious, like two things. One, how much having, the more people involved in a show contributes to like word of mouth and, uh, people inviting audience and, and getting a, a packed audience. And uh, secondly, like how much do you think about like the community, that, the community that you belong to and making use of uh, all of the, the, the kind of like talent that that's out there that uh, is just kind of, um, you know, uh, loose mm-hmm. and, and, and putting that into a show package uh, with things like uh, the gauntlet, which, as a tournament is going to involve a lot of troops or yeah. uh, InstaFlink, InstaFlink, which, which involves, you know, what, like 15, 20 people and same thing with variety show. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you think Never. about that as, as like a tool for getting audience and also as a way to, to uh, be a, a beacon or a uh, lightning rod for the community talent? 
you are always going to, especially in a smaller market like we're in, I mean, I love this market, but like, come on, let's be honest. It's not yeah. Chicago and it's not New York. And that is good because we need to be us. That being said, new people always have friends who will come to shows. Sure. People who have been doing it more than five years have friends who are right next to them on stage. Yeah. You know, and, and that's just the simple facts. And I think like with the variety show, I mean, it was, placement is everything. Friday at eight is a much more accessible date and time than a Thursday at 10 show. You know, Thursday at 10, you're going at a, after a completely different audience and sometimes they're going to come and sometimes they aren't, but they're more than likely going to come for a, a newer improviser who's in their twenties than a seasoned 30 something year old improviser and certainly not a gangly 40 year old improviser. Well, you got you're almost here. dust. Yeah. <laughs> My joints. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, well, I'm, I almost wonder if it gets to a point where it is helpful to get older because like you think about the, you know, when you're 20, all your friends don't have the real jobs yet. They work at, you know, restaurants and stuff. So they get out at 10, they can come over. And, you know, you get into mm -hmm. your 30s and your 40s and your 50s, you know, you're working your, your career, hopefully, or whatever, and, or your right. friends are, and they, they have to be in bed by 10. And then you get to your 60s and, you know, you're retired. And I think I think it's game on. I, I, I can't wait till, till I get to my 60s. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be crushing. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, it is always, you know, who comes to see shows, right? True. A Friday 8 o'clock audience is a lot different than the Thursday 10 o'clock audience. Yeah. So you need, you need people who can pull friends. But I also think, and this is something that, you know, I think everybody gets stuck with is, how do I get people to my show? How do I get people to come see my show? Well, there's the Kurt answer, which is... If your show was good, people would come, which is a terrible answer because there's plenty of great shows that nobody sees because nobody knows about them. So you start thinking about how are we letting people know about our show? And this is something, talk about fear. I get stuck in this one all the time, like with the podcasting and things like that. It, it's easy to kind of get caught with this one because you feel like, well, the show should be the draw. And it's like... You don't have a name yet. Yeah. Like, I put my name on everything <laughs> in a way to brand myself. So that was like, hey, Matt Noss does this. Matt Noss does this. These are cool Matt Noss things. You know, if you like if you like that, you then you like my sensibilities and you're probably going to you like this thing. Yeah. You know? And I think that's fair. I think that... Um... Uh, another question would be like, if you have a good name and a good hook for something, like InstaFlick is pretty self-explanatory, and, and regardless of of the um the inspiration from or the stealing from uh, Neutrino, it's like it's like okay, th that as a concept um, is self-explanatory in a, in a one word 
sell, right? Um, but when you do have like a variety show or something that's more generic um, mm-hmm. that, or, and, and, or not as high concept, I think it's totally fair for you as an established uh, producer in the community to uh, put your name on it as a way to um, let people know what to expect and uh, to get people excited about it. And and I think it would be uh, underselling yourself to uh, say that that isn't a yeah. smart idea, you know, any, any ego or, or self-branding aside right. is because good I know, for the show, good for the community to have that. Cause I know for a fact, if in Chicago, Mick Napier did a variety show and it was the Mick Napier variety show, people would just come because I'm, what is Mick Napier doing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, even a clearer example is like if it was Lauren Michaels laughing Instead of Rowan and Atkins, you know, like if it was Lauren Michaels is doing laughing, I'd be like, he's doing laughing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm gonna watch that. That's weird. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? Because it's <laughs> yeah. like, okay, well, this yeah. is this is the the comedy god from the Great White North. Let's see what he has to offer. Well, I yeah. also think it's part of the responsibility of the pe- of the cast to also promote. Um, so, to, like to answer your question, James, when someone asks, like, how do you promote these things? Most of the time, I just answer you already know because you do that whenever there is a colony fest or a bits tournament. You know, I, I, Matt's a great example. Like, yeah, he's had built a name, he puts in the effort, but he also he is really diligent about the promotion stuff. He just doesn't do like a Facebook post and like ah, that's that's me or right. expect the theater to uh, put out a commercial or anything. He is out there. You you will not miss a Matt Noss show or podcast. Well, it is. It, I mean, <laughs> but you have yeah. to do that, Matt, because, you, you know, you I'm your friend and I see uh, most of the stuff you post. But if you didn't do it as frequently and stuff like that, I, I might yeah. miss it because the way these, well, that's these the thing, things are set up, so, you know, there is so. so much entertainment and there is so much to see. And, you know, like I mean, on a Thursday night, you could go to three different or Friday night, you could go to three pl- different places, three, see three different shows or four different places, uh, depending on if it's an AWOL night. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. there's a lot of choices. So I think that comes back to like, what's the hook? What is your thing? Like, I think AWOL has a great hook with this is our once a month thing. And these are teams that you don't always see all the time. These are these, you know, so you're going to get the AWOL team, but you're also going to get Garrett and Brian playing together who rarely play together. You know, you're going to get, there's different hooks in. And I think that's, brilliant i think i love that stuff and i love indie shit anyway so yeah. i'm always a big fan you know but i feel like it isn't enough just to have a show and having a show is hard yeah <laughs> but it's like you know when i think about what you did with the elastic time cannon james like that is not yeah. number one not an easy show to explain not an easy show but like once people came and they got it they were like that's cool. I really like that. I'm sure you had a lot of people come up to you after the show was done and be like, how could I be part of this? Or how did you do that? Or what's the form? Or could I, you know, like, I'm always yeah. willing to try a different form anyway. So it's like, what is that? Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. And I, for me, that, that, that was like equal parts, a personal challenge for myself. And, and, and again, kind of uh, borrowing or stealing ideas uh, where it's like, um, what I wanted out of that 
as a personal challenge, directing and creating a show from scratch was like, okay, can I build something that demands rehearsal and is high concept enough um, to, to be equally as impressive as it is funny? Um, and, and and that came from inspiration from shows like Improvised Shakespeare or from Trigger Happy, um, which are these like highly um, – conceptual shows uh that demand rehearsal because you can't just jump well i I don't want to say you can't but like it 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 would be silly to think that just anybody could go do improvised shakespeare the way that that company does absolutely yeah or or for trigger happy a show where they use a kind of secret language to um uh trigger events amongst the cast uh, uh, that seem like out of nowhere to the audience, but are internally um, tracked by the members of the show. Um, That's what I wanted out of that show as as a director, as a project like that to build a show. But I also saw in the community uh, a bunch of restless improvisers who were pouring all their energies into multiple teams of combinations of the same people. And I wanted to uh, uh, pull those in. and apply that energy in, in a more uh, focused way. And so I'm, I'm curious, like, because think things like the gauntlet, um, things, like I said, like, like Insta flick, Matt and Oz variety show, you, you said like for the variety show, you're like the community has a bunch of bits and can we get that as a showcase right. on stage? Um, and then maybe that'll also take us to uh, for Gabber media. Like you're like, how can we push into the next frontier for, and use something that people are interested in doing anyway and elevate it in an organized way um, that is satisfying to you as a producer to, to push into, into new territory, but also utilizing um, talented people and, and their endeavors in, in a uh, organized way. Yeah. If I, well, I, I know personally that if I don't do something creative, I'll die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm done. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, well, I'm, uh, yeah. I mean, it's not this, The idea of me being, you know, that childhood dream of being like on a comedy show, probably not as real as I can do a comedy show. You know, like the idea as a child to be like, I'm going to be on Saturday Night Live, probably not as real as I can do my own shit over here and I can make it as real as I want it to be. And will it be that? No, no. And is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Not everybody gets to be there, but not everybody gets to be here either. You know, like we always like just because they aren't the same doesn't mean that one's more important than the other. Like it's more about how important it is to you. Like if I can't, if I can't do the podcasts, then I'm going to be missing something like right now with the quarantine, you know, we're giving each other some space on transmissions from the dark side, which is a podcast we do where we watch anthology horror and then just kind of recount the episode and crack jokes. I mean, it's pretty simple format and we, we love doing it, but it's like right now doesn't feel like let's watch bad TV and make fun of it time. You know, (laughs) like we're all kind of like, I kind of just want to be home right now and just, and be home. But, Something like Roach Coach, where we, we review a new metal album every week, and we're, we have a fan base that's still very much active and wanting to be in contact with us. We're still international. going. International, baby. Yeah, baby. That's awesome. That's incredible. It's I, wild. I, 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 shipped a, I shipped a shirt 
to Italy to literally the city <laughs> that was having like the hugest outbreak. It took oh, him wow. like a month to get the shirt, but he was like, "I love this so much." <laughs> like, well, we love you. I, we love adorable. you so much. I know it's yeah. adorable as it is. <laughs> so, but, uh, or, or were you in the middle of a, of a train of thought there, Matt? I probably was. I, I, I think the main thing is that it's. <sighs> I'm a little DIY. I don't necessarily need to have myself connected to anything. I've always liked being able to do my own thing, even within a structure of a, a go comedy. Um, because I've always lived and died by, like, there's no winning go comedy, which I also think I stole from uh, the UCB podcast that was there for a while for, like, people who were trying to, like, get on house teams at UCB where it was like, there's no, if you got it, there's no winning the theater. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there's no, right. you got there. That's great. Then it kind of becomes like, what's next? You're like never done. Yeah. Well, so, so, and, and what does the in between time look like or feel like for you, Matt? Like when you're going from like in between variety show to, to, deciding to launch Gabra media or yeah. going from one troop to the next, um, earlier in your improv career. Like there's all sorts of things that I'm sure play a part. Obviously, uh, things like, uh, job and family and, uh, getting married, having yeah. a kid, uh, you know, is like, those are, are obvious things, but like, what's, what's the kind of like consistency among your state of mind in between each project and figuring out how can you use your, um, resources right now uh, to, to do the next thing? I would say that like at the beginning, I, I didn't understand how good I had it. Cause when you're a student surrounded by people who have the same wants, it, you know, and that are willing to do things that are like a little bit out there that makes it a lot easier to connect with people. Whereas like the longer that you do it, everybody gets, you know, at this point that I would be like 16 years into this, which is absolutely insane. Um, <laughs> that doesn't seem right, but I think it is. Yeah, um, Jesus. Um, it, it's more because I'm not teaching that's one thing. Like if, if you have the ability to teach, then you're usually around students who want to do things. And a lot of my first opportunities were given to me by teachers, especially in smaller markets, because, you know, the teachers actually perform and also show up to do the classes compared to larger, larger markets where it's like very tough, you know, Ben Schwartz isn't teaching at UCB, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it was like PJ would teach for a very, very long time, you know, at go. And, and same thing with Margaret at the end, like you would see Margaret on Monday and then on Saturday, who's teaching that class? Margaret is. And Margaret, if there was an opportunity that she was like, yeah, I think they would be a good fit. I mean, a lot of opportunities came that way and still come that way. I mean, it's, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's kind of the way that it's worked around here for a long time. And, and that's been great, you know, whereas like if you're in a larger market, I'm, I'm, I think your work has to be outstanding. I think you have to be able to have that kind of, if you, especially when you don't get onto a house team, 
the ability to put in the work at indie houses and indie theaters and put up shows of your own and do your own thing and, and gain the following because it's like, it's all there. You know, I don't, it's funny because we were talking about uh, Middle Ditch and Schwartz be, before this uh, started recording, but I take a look at that and I'm like, I think they were the first to really crack accessible long form improv on film. Yeah. Because, I mean, I've even seen TJ and Dave on film, and it wasn't as good as Middle Ditch and Schwartz. And seeing that, I know that we're going to start seeing people taking things from that show to make better long-form improv video content. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and and and, and, and just, I feel like uh, reading about the, what went into that production for them, a big mission statement for them is again about the community and breaking the seal on something. Because, like, you know, for for you, Matt, um, the, the things that you've done, that like, uh, there's more. I, I feel like rockomatic which i know wasn't wasn't your uh invention right. of a show but something that you uh led the charge for for a while like yep. i feel like having that presence uh kept the musical improv door open um things like uh, the variety show i feel like there's more variety show uh pitches or content that being up by pe- putting up by people and i feel like you things that you do break the seal and yep. what yep. like middle ditch and schwartz did is is also on on, on a much you know, wider scale of, of like the Netflix special reaching the Netflix audience is like, okay, what kind of seal is that going to break for everyone watching and everyone being inspired about what's possible um, in that format? It shows that it can be done, right? Yeah. Like, and that was the purpose of the variety show in a way was like to give, you know, you can talk about, um, what Julia and Nicole did, mutual friends of ours, who did a uh, forensic retelling of The Parent Trap, the 1990s remake <laughs> with one Lindsay Lohan, and retelling it in a more uh, forensic style instead of a debate style forensic. I always put debate in forensics, but it's just like, on paper, a very difficult pitch. I would say, like, we're going to retell a story that already exists. All right. Why would I care about that? And we're going to do it in this style. Huh? It's like, oh, his name is Alexander Hamilton, and we're going to wrap his history. No, thank you. But, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, on, yeah. on paper, no, I'm not an seeing. Excellent point. Yeah. On paper, I'm not seeing that show. But if you can find a way to get proof of concept, like, right. no, I, this worked. Yeah, like his, the reactionary and hip hop infusion <laughs> is, is much more of a of a of a, a shorthand concept uh, after Hamilton. And people do say that they're like they're yeah. like uh, I want to do a show kind of like Matt Nas Variety Show, but my take on it is this. And so the yeah, right. proof of concept goes a long way for whatever comes next. And and Honestly. we look at we look at the shows that you know that show ran for two years. So out of that show, we had the Fjord Twins go from. A, a sketch that was in a sketch show probably a year and a half prior to the variety show even coming about that then became its own show, which became kind of its own mini 
world inside of the theater yeah. with the Fjord twins. And then you had Jacob's uh, blackouts that he wrote that became, you know, birth of a whole ass nation. We had what um, Julia and uh, Nicole did that became their yeah. whole thing. They've now, they, uh, they haven't done it uh, in a while, but, but like the, uh, the show lived on in New York and, and, and I think like four or five years, it's crazy to um, track when the first thing was. And every time we, we uh, re- put it up again, just to see how long it's going from that birthplace of, of an eight minute slot in that show. Yeah. And and nothing made me happier than I can say, like, five written shows came out of that two-year run. And each one of those shows was worth seeing, highly enjoyable, performed well at the theater, made money for the theater, gave artistic freedom to the creators, because... <laughs> When the audience does this, nothing else fucking matters. Like, what am, what are we talking about here? Yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I'm I'm doing this because I want to get appreciated. You know, like I'm. There is a part of that. Like there, you know, I don't do it just because I want to be obtuse. I'm not that good of an artist. You know? like, <laughs> I, I want to do this for you know, like I do get something out of an audience enjoying something. I also get something out of an audience watching me lose my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I like pushing myself that way. But when I'm like right now, I, I mean, from a from a difficulty standpoint, I have not been able to break the seal on the podcast wider audience thing roach coach is easily the most successful thing that i've ever been a part of which is amazing lauren kozlowski and jennifer Sosha are my teammates on that and lauren heads the charge really really well jennifer and jennifer i never call her i always call her jen anyway but like <laughs> we we have a thing and people respond to it and it's great but i don't know how to currently today that show to be honest is between 300 and 400 downloads an episode which is great yeah which to me is like i went right like (laughs) we did it (laughs) we fucking fucking did it i mean what more do you want and then it's like but i still go to my day job yeah, so yeah, then, it, yeah. so then, what's the question? Is the question, what's enough, or is the question of what more do I want, or where do I want it to go? And that's kind of where I'm at right now because I've been lucky enough to do a lot of the things that I want to do, but I haven't been able to turn that into the money, <laughs> which yeah. you know, it's, it's a double edge. The money is a double edged sword, but. But sometimes you know, it, it takes is, a minute, uh, you know? I mean, look at Garrett. Is... Sometimes it takes a minute. It takes a minute, yeah. It takes a minute, yeah. Well, I mean, you you have the content. Like you said, you just got to build a name. And with podcasts being like a newer medium, and there was just a flood in the last couple of years. So it's, it's a ton of podcasts, yeah. And so it's, it's that thing, you know, I think you guys are so consistent. It's going to get there. It will. it will. I I mean, it will. And it's, but it's just... The questions that I could answer, 
So, you know, this is just me owning that, like, I don't have all the answers. So the answers uh, that were clearer to me with an improv show aren't always clear to me in podcasting. Well, but to tell the truth, I know what to do, and I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, I feel you on that, because, I mean, uh, uh, producing and... Um, uh, put, putting the work in, into just creating the thing is is only part of the battle and even getting an audience at a place uh like a theater or whatever if you if you really want to go like next level you got to do you got to invest in marketing and yep. distribution um and all sorts of of like content creation for marketing and promo purposes and yep. organizing all of that takes at least as much work as uh creating the product itself um that you're looking to ha be successful even more yeah yeah yep. um yeah but what i hear you saying matt is is that you are uh kind of restless in, in your uh, desire to think about uh, what is what is next and what it is that you want and and that that is a kind of an infinite question um that you review like or or, or just kind of like uh check in with every once in a while um but it seems to me that that you keep just pushing into uh new frontiers and that um that that is a big uh part of it and and just um finding what's new might be uh enough satisfaction uh in itself like like there's there, i know for me there's an itch that i get just to do something new even if i'm doing some, one thing well i get bored with it even if it is successful and i want to yeah. push into something new and i Same. think for people who not everybody not everybody thinks that way not everybody uh uh is um you know sitting there uh thinking like ah what can i do next uh but when you have people that get charged up about new projects, it uh, is magnetic to people who um, are looking to, to, to just be performers. And I think it's it opens up a lot of really cool possibilities uh, for people that um, creates a big ripple effect. What Just yeah. out of curiosity, Matt, so out of, with, with uh, Middle Edition Schwartz, uh, I think their, their specials only been out for like, uh, 10 days or so, but like, um, yep. assuming that it does take off, um, obviously it will for the improv community. It's a big deal, but if, if it's successful, uh, mainstream the way that we hope it will, what would you want to see happen as a result of that success in the improv community or, or, uh, in that on camera frontier? The... <sighs> If you're to play it as a long game, right, then the idea would be that some of the inside poker improv things would become a little bit more well-known from for a casual audience. That at least the conceit of, yeah, they are taking the interview and they are creating the show based on that interview – that alone, if the audience starts to believe that, because in the theater, like you kind of, there is the magic of the live show. And that yeah. is where Middle Dish and Schwartz is the first one to kind of transcend. And I feel like they transcend it in ways that purists will hate. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the meta and the breaking is that what you're, you're talking about? Yeah. Well, number one, number one, they break, which yeah. purists instantly will be like, no. But as a breaker, I'm like, thank God, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I, I'm with you. <laughs> but their form also, like in all three, their form is 100 percent to make a game out of not remembering the names. You cannot tell me that those two guys don't remember every character name, especially Middle Ditch. Are you kidding me? That guy uh, who worked with Sir Patrick Stewart on the Shakespeare Company. Uh-uh. Those guys remember the name. They're playing a game. You think and so? You think they're? You think they're? they're oh yeah, they're playing game. <laughs> Feigning, <laughs> forgetting. Yeah. All right. 100%. 100%. They're playing the game called Who Are My Characters? Yeah. 100%. That's funny. Did they forget the names at your show? Well, yeah. I, well, I saw, I saw the second episode. Did you see them at the Masonic, Bob? Yes. Yes. Did they forget names there? I don't remember. Uh... I, re- I know they did the game where they forgot how many characters there were because it was some obscure number. Did you see it at the Masonic as well? I did not. I did not go. Okay. Uh, so there was a talk like, oh, we're going to uh, a backstory of one of the characters that was in one scene. The backstory was they have gotten there because it was like a, a bachelor party type situation. And all his friends, his seven friends who happened to be Italian were in the other room. Yeah. So they, they didn't. Yeah. So there was fun with that. I, I don't. I I would have to guess. Yeah, they played the name game, but it was more like how many characters. Were, so it was like an yeah. ad- adaptation of that game, but it's still the same game. Sure. Yeah, they they they're literally playing a name game every single time, and they're doing it to comedic effect. They're doing it just like if I'm in a song, and I'm like step one, step two, step three, step four, and I make up all steps, all the steps. When that part of the song comes around again, you're still going to be like, step one, that thing. And the audience is like, this is delicious candy. And yeah, it's not pure. Like, and, uh, for a purist's sake, who is like, TJ and Dave, don't ever forget. TJ and Dave, don't X, Y, Z. Like, yeah. yeah, but they're letting they're doing what they're they're doing the whose line is it anyway ask long form okay. it's filmed like yeah. whose line like the breaking in the inside uh, am i this guy right now like the like the things that they're saying to each other literally help non-improvisers know that they're improvising uh, and yeah. it's yeah. like and i think it's because it breaks the seal on it you're going to see that stack, but eventually I could see it getting to like where you could film. Yeah, I'm using TJ and Dave just because of the ones that everybody throws out. It's like this echelon that's way up here that you could film them the same way without the breaks and without those types of games. And you could get the same results, but it's, it's the first step. They broke the, yeah. they broke the plane. They got it over because I've watched the UCB specials. I want, you know, the one that was on AMC I've watched on YouTube and I've watched the one that they did for like their 10th or 20th anniversary or whatever. And for me as an improviser, I loved them, but other people would watch them and be like, what's going on, man. I, it's interesting. I, 
I feel like first, um, I, I mean, I like the theory that they're that they're uh, leaning into the forgetting, but I I personally don't think that that is a hundred percent what's happening. Um, I think it would actually be unfortunate if it is, uh, and and fine. It's it's like um, like you said, as long as the audience is clapping and and um, and it opens up real new possibilities for long form. At the end of the day, it's a good thing, no matter how they. The, the the sausage is made. Uh, however, um, I think that that those things are um, really instrumental in uh, in why that long form process uh, translates to off screen. Um, like you said, it's it's an accessibility point for the audience to remind them how uh, they're improvising or the fact that they're improvising. So I definitely agree with you there. I th- I think that it would be I I don't see the purpose in capturing flawless improv on screen uh, no. because it's like why wouldn't you just write and produce write it. it it's it's like it's yeah. like if you're not going to see some of the strings or or uh, like like Pete and I um when we do our long our duo uh when we simonize and we 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 do uh the first scene and then the second scene and before we add a new scene we revisit scene 1 and 2 and 3 and then 1 2 3 and then 4 and blah 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 and so it's it's a, it, we we play around with the order in which we revisit scenes and we know that we're going to fuck up um at some point and that is a recurring thing that happens in our show but it's genuine when it happens because the thing is hard and i and i know that right. that uh that that thomas middleditch being improvised shakespeare uh uh has had uh more juggling to do with uh tracking information than his show with with uh, ben schwartz but i i i also know that um i i feel like Maybe regardless of what, whatever they're doing, um, I think that that, that type of th- element in an improv show is more appealing to capture on camera than yeah. if that stuff is absent. Because then it's like, I didn't see the thing that makes it what it is, which is the the risk of failure and and the uh, the player behind the character. Let me re- let me flip it then. Let me now that I've now okay. that I've said it out loud, and I don't know if I like the way it fits. Okay. <laughs> okay. What I think he they're doing, I do think they're playing a game with names. Totally. And I do think that they're playing it in the same way that you just described in a Simonize. But because it's just the two of them, if one of them walks into a scene cold without a hardcore physical attribute, like the like the braids on, on um whatever that girl's name was, Claire or whatever it was. What's that? I think it was Emily. Emily, yeah. Yeah, Claire sure. was the quiet one. Yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that was. Uh, no, we're playing oh, no, that we're game. Doing the game. We're doing the game. We're doing the game. That was Randy. Yeah, oh Randy. yeah, it's Randy. Randy yeah, the girl. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. But but like, <laughs> but like that type of thing where they're like, we're gonna do more names and a two person. We're gonna do as many names in a two person as we would in a. Uh, improvise Shakespeare to purposefully challenge themselves purposely. Yeah. yeah to push themselves to the outer, to, to the outer limits on it yep. and then have the agreement between like, if you don't know, you're going to have to ask. Yes. Yep. <laughs> no, that's interesting. Cause it, cause to me, it's like, I, I don't, I, I think that's what it is. And I'm and like you said, purposely doing it because it's also that device kind of like when we do sentences, like, because the audience is sitting and watching and they don't have to 
really track more than just what's going on. They have that advantage, and it's almost that oh, I know before you do thing, which and that, they that's delight very, in. Oh, people, love and you that win shit. both ways, right? Yeah, you win on, yeah. So you win on them recognizing, and then you yeah. win on the people who are like, I fucking didn't know either. I, I think Thank there was even for, one of the scenes where an audience member screamed out your name. name again. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there a scene where someone screamed out the name for him? Like, oh, yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. it was. So that kind of reaction, if you can get that at home as well, like that pulls them in. That's their hook. That's that thing. Yeah, yeah. What are their many hooks? Yeah. Huh? Well, so maybe to, maybe to kind of uh, bring it home here. Either way, I, I think that um, in the theme of our conversation, um, it's it the the idea is that if if it became easy for them that they would purposely make it harder on themselves to keep that same challenge level. And like with these shows, I think that's the same spirit that a lot of improvisers thrive on, which is that like, I'm not looking for it to be easy. I'm not looking to to, to conquer something. And if I do, I'm going to move on. Like, the improv is is like a uh, a rush for a lot of people or like, you know, where it's like you're in free fall. And as a student, that first improv high you get is is uh, something that you're chasing for. I, or I, I guess I'll just speak for myself. I imagine the same is true for you guys. You chase that for the rest of your improv career. And, and, and if you conquer a game or a form or a show, then great and you'll do it once in a while if it's still fun but then you look for the next thing to get you as excited as you were when you first started yeah yeah well i I, well i am i yeah i'm like you i'm I'm restless you know like i think sometimes i i sabotage myself from having some success with some things so that i don't get locked into them which isn't the best thing yeah, that's not a good one. Need to figure that one out with uh, some therapists. But <laughs> I feel you, man. I think I'm the opposite of you two. I'd rather do the same thing and perfect it. I'm like that dude with the sushi. Like I am going to make the best sushi. I I, I know I do it well. I do it well enough to get an applause. But oh man, I could do it better next time. I like yeah. Shit. Well, if I if I cared about getting better, you know, then I'd stop improvising right now because I'm terrible at it. <laughs> stop. Still fucking terrible at it. Stop. I do love it though, and watching uh, watching Middle Ditch and Swartz definitely makes me want to perform again, even though I'm yeah. nowhere near the theater that can open. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, who is right now? But um, hopefully, before long, we'll all get a, a chance to. Uh, push into whatever yeah. it is that we're itching to do um, while we're cooped up. But uh, okay. Yeah. I think that's a good place to, to wrap it up. And um, Matt, this has been a really great conversation. Thanks so, so much for talking with you, us. Buddy. Good yeah. to be here. Yeah. Um, hopefully that gave some insight. Let me think. Final thoughts for me. Yeah. Um, steal the right stuff uh, <laughs> or, or steal, you know, Matt Nelson, the sing-along singers. I saw Reggie Watts make loop music and I wanted to do it. I was like, I can do that because I've been making up songs my whole life. So I did that. Gauntlet. Uh, knew that the cage match existed at UCB. Uh, we had the cat fight. I was like, I can run this thing. There's enough teams. Let's do it. You know, it's it's meeting, it's opportunity with ideas. Meeting is also so steel. Opportunity meaning your idea. Um, be flexible. Be prepared. Um, and know when to stop 
or know when to get help. And yeah. sometimes you have to do all of them at the same time. Yeah. Um, and then are there things, uh, obviously we, we talked, we talked about Gabber media a bit and, um, transmissions from the dark side as well as roach coach, coach. uh, what else you got going on that you want to pitch? Uh, that's, that's the big stuff. I I'm, I'm really excited about what, um, you've been doing James with buck 50 social club. I'm excited about Bob and the WrestleManiacs. Um, I'm excited about improv FAQ coming to Gabber media in the podcast form. And, um, you know, I just feel like the podcasts that have cracked are either with names, you know, like are NPR produced, but there hasn't been hundreds or fifties of smaller podcasts that have really been able to figure it out. You know, like there's been niche podcasts, storytelling podcasts, true crime, true crime, true crime podcasts that have been able to cross over. But, they, you know, I still feel that this medium is new. I still feel like this medium is exciting. I'm loving that you're doing this over Zoom because I feel like if you've got good video editors, you can find good content within this to put up on different platforms. You know, Because that's the thing. It's just trying to meet the audience where they are is the nice thing about the internet. Like, you know, there's going to be somebody who wants to hear all hour and 15 plus minutes of this because they just enjoy the whole damn thing. But then there's somebody who just wants the one minute version of this conversation. And that's what they get from Instagram. And it's like, how can we meet the audience in the right place with the right information? You know, because I'm like, the, everybody should listen to the podcast. But the truth is not everybody wants to listen to the podcast. And some people want to watch it on YouTube. And some people just want to watch the highlights. And some people don't care really about the podcast. They want to know how, how you made the podcast. It's like, yeah. oh, Jesus. Okay. Well, I never even thought about that because I got caught up in making the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing about, about the internet, too, is that, let, let, like, uh, the reach for guests, you know, you, you and, yeah. uh, Jen and Lauren are able to do Roach Coach, uh, remotely. Um, it's crazy. Even though y'all started, uh, doing it while the th- uh, Lauren was still in Metro Detroit. And I mean, th- being able to do this, uh, create this podcast or the, or the podcast version of, of Improv FAQ with Bob and be able to uh, reach different guests is like a whole new possibility that I think is normalized where it would be like kind of wonky to have the, we were talking about this too earlier, is like the, the Zoom call or the Zoom audio. Um, but like now it's like, okay, pr- again, it prove just a, is prove a concept. Right. Prove a concept. Yeah. It's like it, yeah. it works. It works. And um, so I'm excited. And the thing is, if the content is good and exciting, then that's all you need. Like yeah. you, I'll listen to anything if it's interesting. Yeah, totally. You know, and you'll I'll, struggle I, yeah. through it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, again, really great conversation. And uh, so thanks again for joining you, us, Matt. It's been a blast. Yeah. Great to see you guys. I, uh, I love you both. Uh, you, congratulations. Man. And uh, if you keep me going, I'll, I'll go another 20 minutes. So <laughs> probably <laughs> yeah. stop. Well, yeah, we're, we're hoping to make the rounds and, and do, uh, you know, we'll hopefully have you back as a repeat guest. So yes, I would love a lot of stuff that, that we didn't quite get to that. I would tons, love to open tons. up. Yeah, I felt yeah. like I was, I got stuck in a lane, but I think it was the right lane to get stuck in. So, totally. Right. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, thanks again. We'll catch you next time on Improv FAQ at length. Yay!